At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. Well, I'm excited to be with you guys today. How are you guys doing? Good, yes. How, are, uh, how many are you ready for Thanksgiving? Okay, enough, a lot. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's one of my favorite holidays. I'm excited for it. Um, this week was a, it was, a, it was a tougher week for me, realizing that this was probably one of the last times I'd be sharing uh, God's word with you guys all. And uh, it was a fun week, though, to be able to dig into the text, uh, to be able to preach uh, to you guys in uh, God's word this morning. Know that uh, I'm excited for what God is going to do in our hearts this morning as I, even in the midst of this, continue to preach to my own heart. Uh, but before I get started, though, I, I have a question uh, for us. question for us to kind of contemplate, to kind of think through, to, to dig into. And that question is, have you ever been in a place where you questioned if you were going to make it? Maybe... Maybe that was in a relationship, a struggle. Maybe that was in the midst of a, t- of a tough time that you and your family was going through. Were you going to make it? I don't know if you guys have ever ran a marathon. I uh, clearly have not. Uh, one day I would love to, though. Uh, but if you talk to anybody who's ever ran a marathon or if you've ever ran a marathon, something happens normally between mile 16 and 20, 21, where your body starts to shut down. And if you talk to a marathon runner, everyone will say it, and they'll all come to a place where they'll question, am I going to make it? Is my body going to hold up to be able to get me through the finish line? Um, there's a show on Amazon that I really enjoyed watching last year during kind of in the midst of the early on in COVID uh, called The World's Toughest Race. I don't know if anybody has seen it. Uh, the World's Toughest Race Eco Challenge. It's a pretty crazy ultra-endurance race. Um, when I say crazy, it's like, crazy is probably an understatement to what the race actually is. Um, it's a race where the teams are together and there's four people um, where they do these crazy races. To put it into context, uh, the last one that happened in Patagonia was 310 miles. That's further than from here to Indianapolis. Uh, and there's checkpoints along the way, and if you don't make it in a certain amount of time, you get eliminated. So not only are you like, wait, so time out. I have to go through all this, and then like, am I not even able to finish? And it's crazy to watch these men and women put their bodies to absolute max. They run, they bike, they canoe, they swim, they climb. Like, it's just crazy to watch what these men and women do. The, one, the, the season that's on Amazon Prime is of 2020 where they were in Fiji. And the, the, the team that won it, uh, they did it in like four and a half days, which was absolutely insane. They slept for like, I think it was like eight or nine hours for the duration of that. And they just, it was, a, it was crazy to see. But what I loved about the show is the stories as they encouraged one another to continue to push on. Because even the, the team that won it, even the team that did it in this crazy time, they all, at some point in time, all four of the individuals on the team, all had this moment where they questioned, am I going to make it? I think of this moment where in Fiji, I, I always think of Fiji as like this place where it's like beautiful and blue waters and everything. 
Well, that's like most of Fiji, but there is mountains in Fiji. And if you've seen the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But they uh, do this crazy hike up into the mountains, and then they have to swim, and it's like 40 degrees. So like, one, it's like, I don't want to swim after being on the go for that long. And then two, I don't want to swim in 40 degrees. And the team who's in first, like this, one, of the, uh, one of the teammates, this lady's body literally starts to shut down. And like, I can imagine at that point in time in my life, I'd be like, I'm done. Like, I give up. It's over. I don't, I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm okay with that. If I can imagine, though, there's probably been a point in time in your life where you've asked the same question. Am I going to make it? There's probably been a point in time in your life if you've been following Christ for any duration that you've asked the question, I know that God is real. I know that he loves me. I know what the Bible says is true, but like, am I actually going to get to heaven? Like, like can I, like, is that actually real? Is that actually going to happen? If you haven't been there yet, you probably will be at some point in time in your life. And that question kind of brings us to our text today. So we'll be wrapping up the series in Romans 8 next week called Unstoppable, Bound by His Love, Freed by His Spirit. Where we're looking at the profound work of God really through the work of His Holy Spirit in the lives of every believer. In this, in this text, Paul wants us to give assurance and the confidence as Christians as he wrote this letter to the church in Rome, that even in the midst of their difficulties, both from the government and in the culture, there are struggles, but these struggles are not evidence of God's absence of them or his displeasure in them. He employs the full reality of who God is and that he can and he will get his children home. God and all that he is has done all that we need to see us all the way home. Can we just rest in that for a little bit? Man, this is really good, incredible news. If you are a believer in, in, in Christ, I just want to say that again. God in all that he is has done all that we need to see us all the way home. It doesn't land on us. It's not up to us what we do what we say, God has done it. And I want to be encouraged today of that hope and joy that is found in Christ, that we can have massive confidence in this. There's a couple ways that we're going to look at in the way that God does this really through this passage in Romans chapter 8 this morning. And the first way is that our prayers are strengthened by the Spirit. Again, I'm just thankful for that alone for a minute. Like, our prayers are strengthened by the Spirit. It's not up to us. It's not up to what we say. But verse 26 and 27 of Romans 8 read this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is, is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And I'm thankful that God sent his Holy Spirit. And he is at work in our prayers. And he meets us in our prayers. 
I'm thankful that God just doesn't meet us in our prayers. But what we just saw in verse 26, that he actually participates in our prayers. This is a two-way street where he's going to participate with us in our prayers. Guess what? It doesn't end there. He doesn't just participate in our prayers. He helps us in our prayers. Who's thankful for that truth this morning? Paul has been talking about suffering. But here he's talking about suffering in contradiction to what is to come. The suffering of our current time is not worth comparing to the glory that we are going to receive. The reality of our suffering is that it points to a better world. I think we can all agree on that today, right? The current sufferings that we have all experienced over the last year and a half alone points to our understanding that there has to be a better world. And that is our hope. That there is a better world that you and I will get to experience if you are found in him. But there's a problem to that. We're not there yet. We continue have to we have to continually go through the moments and milestones that we are living through. And at some point in time, I can imagine that you probably all have again in the last year and a half, uh, that you all hit a moment where you just didn't know if you were gonna continue on. You didn't know what to do. You didn't even, probably you came to a place in your life where you didn't even know what to pray for or how to pray. I know there's been multiple moments in my life where like I knew I needed to cry out to God. I knew I needed to say something, but I didn't know what to. Maybe you're there this morning where you know you need to cry out to a loving father, but you don't know what to say. But I'm thankful for this passage because this is where God steps in. And all that he is comes and works in us and through us. How does he do it? Through the work of his Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness. The term here, weakness, in verse 26 suggests a place of incapacity. When we are weak, we feel incapable. Our suffering can bring us to a point where we just throw up our hands and say, I'm done. Has anybody experienced that recently? Where you've literally said, like, I'm done with this. Like, I, I, like I'm completely done with this. I very distinctly remember a moment uh, about a year ago uh, when both my wife and I had COVID and I just continued to feel sick. Like I had a fever for a while and it was probably week two or three where it was just like, I'm done with this. Like I literally don't know what else to do. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're there today through the work. And I had a lot of conversations. I was texting Jacob throughout the midst of it and just like, I literally didn't know what to do. But this is where the Spirit steps in. Paul states that the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Some people could maybe depict out of this that is, is Paul really talking about like tongues here? Is he talking about, like what is he getting at when it comes to groans too deep for words? Really what he's getting at is that it's an inaudible groaning. That the Spirit is groaning on our behalf. And what Paul is getting at here is that Paul wants us to understand and to know is that what the Spirit is doing. The Spirit is interceding on our behalf. He's taking our prayers, when a lot of the times we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, we don't even know how to, again, how to process this. The Spirit is interceding on our behalf 
and aiming them directly at the will of God. The Spirit is doing that for us. Douglas Moo, a famous uh, New Testament scholar, comments this in reference to verse 26 and 27. I take it that Paul is saying then that our failure to know God's will and consequent inability to petition God specifically and assuredly is met by God's Spirit, who himself expressed to God those intercessory petitions that perfectly match the will of God. When we do not know what to pray for, yes, even when we pray for things that are not best for us, we need not despair. For we can depend on the Spirit's ministry of perfect intercession on our behalf. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thankful for that. That the moments in, in, in time where I don't know how to pray, I pray for the wrong things, I ask for the wrong things, that the Spirit steps in and redirects that to the will of God. We can have confidence in this perfect intercession on our behalf. I think through a moment uh, that I've had the privilege of, both my wife and I, we have three nieces and a brand new nephew. Uh, we've experienced this with all of our nieces. That there's a, there's a moment in, in my time with them that I get to spend that things go well and then things take a turn for the worse. They cry. And like, there's that moment as an uncle where I'm like, I don't know what you need. Like, I, I, Shay, I love you. Reagan, I love you. Tegan, I love you. But like, I don't know what to do. Being who does, they're parents. If you're a parent, you know this truth. There's a special bond that you have with your kids that you know what they need when a lot of other people don't. And I've experienced that again with my nieces. When I remember when Reagan was, she's pretty young still, but uh, this past Christmas I was holding her and she was just crying and crying and crying. And I could not get her to stop. My, my sister Rachel came over and instantly grabbed her and she stopped crying instantly. Why? Because she probably wanted her mom and my sister knew exactly what she needed. This is exactly what the Spirit is doing. Or that, like that little kid that just doesn't know what to say, doesn't know what to do. But we have a spirit that is redirecting our prayers and continuing to work on our behalf to help us through those moments. Man, I'm thankful for that good news. Because there's a lot of moments where I probably say the wrong thing in the midst of a prayer. There's things that, that I shouldn't say or don't say or I could say more of. But I'm thankful that the Spirit is continuing to work through that. That the Spirit prays for you and intercedes on your behalf. I can be done literally with that, state, that statement. The Spirit prays for you and intercedes on your behalf. Man, I can find a whole lot of joy and confidence in that statement. That you don't have to pray these big elaborate prayers that the Spirit is continuing to work on your behalf. Have you been there before? Maybe at some point in time early on in your walk with Christ, maybe you're even there today where you're like, hey, like this person prays and like I'm supposed to go next or and like you just compare yourself to them. And you're like, I don't know how to do this. 
Because like they seem like they have it all together and all the words are perfect. And then like for me, like I can't even talk right now. We can find confidence and joy that the spirit, regardless of what we say, is working on our behalf. The encouragement here is that even on your worst day, when you don't know what to say, the spirit is praying with you and for you. So when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to do, when you're at your wit's end, all you need to do is to pray. Ask and seek the Lord. The beauty of this passage is, though, that the Holy Spirit isn't just praying for you and with you. But secondly, he is with our circumstances, our synergized for our good. He's in the midst of your circumstances. Verse 28 reads this. And we know what, or we know that for those who, have, who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. I'm going to read that again because I think we all need to hear that. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Not some things, not most things. Not the things that like I want everybody else to know about. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It's one thing to talk about prayers. It's another to completely know and be in the midst of our circumstances. I think we all need to be reminded of this truth today. That God is working whatever you are going through for your good. We see this all throughout scripture, right? We see this, I think one of the stories that I love, is we see this early on in the book of Genesis. When a man named Joseph, if you've spent time in the word, you know where I'm going with this. He was down on his, on his luck for quite a while, Right? His brother sold him into slavery. I think that would like be the bottom of the bottom, right? Like his brother sold him into slavery, but it didn't end there. He was wrongly imprisoned. He was passed over a number of times when he was in prison. But then God is faithful, and he didn't end the story there. Right? He... He gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. He raised him to second in command. And then he really brought the, the, the story full circle when he interpreted one specific dream that actually saved the land of Egypt because this dream essentially said, like, hey, you're going to have seven years of really, really good harvest. And then you're going to have seven years of really, really bad famine. So store up. And it actually brought his, it came full circle when his brothers came and they bowed down. Joseph recalled in Genesis, and this is what it says in Genesis 50, 20. Joseph recalled, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're currently going through. But I think we should be encouraged by this passage. Michael Bird writes this. 
who's a theologian and a New Testament scholar, it is often hard to discern God's goodness in the midst of a throbbing pain or grief, in the uncertainty as we sit in the oncology ward. However, at the end of history, in light of a glorious eternity, the goodness of God's purpose will be fully understood. What Paul tells the Romans is not that we live in the best possible world, but we are being prepared for the best possible world in the best possible way. Let me read that again. Just that last sentence. What Paul tells the Romans is not that we live in the best possible world. We could all agree with that, right? That we do not live in the best possible world. But we are being prepared for the best possible world, eternity in heaven with Christ, in the best possible way. This gives us great grounds for confidence in God to see us all the way through. He will bring us to our ultimate good, even in the midst of our circumstances that are filled with disaster and evil. I have confidence in that this morning, that we serve a God that is going to continue to see us through. He has done, for, done so for generations and generations and generations, and we can have hope that he is going to continue to see us through. Not only is God strengthening in our prayers, not only is he in the midst of our circumstances, but he is, and all that he is, doing all that we need to get us all the way home. To get us all the way home. Not just part of the way, not just like, he wants to get us all the way home. He wants to see us all the way through. Another way you could say that is our future is secured for glory. Our future is secured for glory. Verse 29 and 30 read this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified and those he justified, he also glorified. The promise of verse 29 and 30 can be called the golden chain of salvation. There's a couple of verbs that we're going to be looking at over the course of the next couple of minutes. But at the end of verse 28 reveals God's providence for those who have been called according to his purpose. For those who have been called according to his purpose. Well, then it, it kind of brings into the question, though, who's called and what is his purpose, right? Like, if we know 28 to be true, then, like, who's called? And then what's his purpose? Well, I'm thankful for this passage that it doesn't end at verse 28, that 29 and 30 answer those two questions. The conjunction 4 links these verses. Paul's building off his statement in verse 28. He's going to show how God accomplishes his ultimate good for us. These five verbs declared what God's action is to and how he is going to secure us. He didn't do this kind of half-heartedly. These verses he picked out on purpose. Normally when you study something or as you learn something, where do you normally start? 
The beginning, we all agree, normally when we look at something, when we want to study something, when we want to investigate something, we normally start at the beginning. Well, today, when we look at this, these really two verses, we're going to look at the middle. So we're going to start at the middle, and we're going to look at these five verbs. These five verbs that are found in 29 and 30. These five verbs are foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. We're starting in the middle, and we're going to start with the, the term called. The term called is in verse 29, and it's in verse 28 as well. And Paul also uses this term a couple of chapters previous. He uses it in, in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, in making a point about how we are saved by faith. He reasons that there Abraham was justified by God through faith alone. Abraham believed in a God. He believed in a God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that did not exist. Again, if you're a believer today, you, you know the scriptures. If you spent any time in this, you know that's how God does things, right? We look a couple of chapters prior to or a couple of books prior to Romans, we see that God raised people from the dead. If we look all the way back in the beginning of, of Genesis, that's how God created things. He spoke things into existence that did not exist prior to that. And that's who Abraham's faith is in. Just as God calls it into existence in Genesis, the things that did not exist, God so powerfully calls and brings the things that are spiritually dead and makes them alive. This call is responded to by faith. The point is anyone who believes in Jesus as the only Savior who came and died, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for the sins of the world, if we believe that he raised from the dead, they have been called by God. The result of that calling is, as both seen in Romans 4 and Romans 8 here, is a, word, is a word called justification. Those whom he called, he also justified. Everyone, has been, everyone who has been called believes and is therefore, they are justified. Let's go back a little bit. So now we, we looked at the first, the middle word, we kind of went a little bit ahead to the word justified, the fourth verb in that. Let's go back a little bit and look at the first two. First two are what? For new and predestined. Let's start with for new because it's the head of the chain and it sits in eternity past. For new and predestined are very close in this meaning to each other. To for new is not to know what someone will do, and then choose based upon the knowing of a person would do. The meaning of foreknown is rooted in a covenantal love that God bestows upon his people. God first set his love upon his people in foreknowing them, and then he predestined them. He chose them to be glorified. The purpose here in 29 is that we would be conformed to the image of God. Paul points is that everyone that has been foreknown has been predestined 
to be like Christ. This is the aspect of sanctification. Man, I'm thankful for that, right? That I'm not the same person that I was yesterday, and because of the work of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus did on the cross, I can be made new and more like Christ each and every day. The question is, though, how do I know if I'm foreknown or, or predestined? Like, like man, like, I want that. Like, I want to be, but like, how can I know this? How can I, how can I rest assured that I'm a part of that? And this is why we locate ourselves in the middle of the chain. That's why we started with the word called. Because there we see the evidence of if you believe in Christ, then you have been predestined and foreknew. So by faith, we believe in Jesus. It's amazing because we realize now that God has in eternity past known us as objects of that covenantal love. And he chose us to be a part and to become like his son Jesus. So he's going to see us through. We can have hope in that, that he is going to see us through. God always accomplishes his purpose. I'm going to say it again. God always accomplishes his purpose. There's probably been moments in your life where you've questioned that. There's probably been moments in your life where you've even doubted that. There's been moments in my life where I've doubted that. That he's always going to accomplish that? He's always going to do this? Like, like God, you're really, like, whatever you're going through, like, you're, like God's going to get you through that? Yeah. Yeah, he is. The powerful reality of these two verses is that salvation is God's work, complete from start to finish. We aren't the subject of these verbs. So we looked at these five verbs. We're not the subject of these. That God foreknows, he predestines, calls, justifies, and glorifies. As Paul has so clearly demonstrated early in Romans, that all we have to do is believe. God does all the work to get his children all the way home. The point of this application here is for us just to trust in Christ. That's it. We have nothing else to do but to look at who God is and all of himself has already done everything. Absolutely everything we need to get us all the way home. We must reject the idea that God makes salvation possible. He doesn't make it possible. He actually saves. We must re reject the thinking that God potentially saves and it's dependent upon what I do or don't do. I'm, I'm thankful for that because I would screw it up. Like, if it was up to what I do or what I don't do, there's no way I'm getting there. There's no way I'm getting there. But it's not up to me. God already did it. That we can rest in that. That if you are a believer 
in Christ that you can rest and rejoice in that today. And that you can worship God because he has secured you for future glory. You don't have to worry about the results. He will bring you to himself. In this, the show that I alluded to earlier, it's not about the process. It's not up to us. In the show, there was a, there was a team. Uh, a couple guys are strangers, but there was a, a, a dad and a, a son. The, the dad was struggling with Alzheimer's and he, he wanted to accomplish this. And he set out to, to accomplish this amazing task. Again, like put into context, like he's trying to accomplish 310 miles in less than 10 days. I believe he was in his 70s. He struggled with Alzheimer's. In the process of this, I was watching this and like, why would somebody set out to do this? Through the course of it, and he just wanted to spend time with his son. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know where God has you. But I do have confidence, and I hope you can find confidence in this passage, that God is going to get you all the way home. Just like that dad, he wants to spend time with his son. We serve a God that wants to spend time with you. That's why he sent his spirit to help you, to help you pray, to be in the midst of your circumstances, for you to be assured in this. Brothers and sisters, I hope you never have to wonder if you'll make it home. God has done everything to get you all the way home. He is strengthening you through the work of his Holy Spirit in prayer. He is working all things for your ultimate good. He has secured your future in Christ. You have nothing to worry about. But I also would be remiss and I understand that you may not be in Christ today. Whether you're here in this room or watching online, that, that may not be where you're at. That you may be outside of this security but I want you to know that you too can come in to this assurance found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. God offers himself to you as a savior. And he says, lay your burdens down and trust in Jesus alone. Put all of your hope and your confidence in him and let him be the one to, to do everything to get you home. Anyone can get in on this. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. Anyone can experience this hope found in Jesus. 
my prayer is that regardless of where you are at today, you would believe in this good news. Let us pray. Holy and Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God that wants to spend time with us. That you are a God that sent his son to die for us. Raised from the dead. But you also sent a helper. You sent your spirit that continues to intercede on our behalf. When we don't have the words to say, when we don't know what to say, that all you ask for, Father, is for us to come to you. And then the Spirit's going to take over, and the Spirit's going to continue to intercede on our behalf and to point things right at the will of you. Father, you care about us. You care about the things that we're going through, both good or bad. You care about us. That you're working all of this for our ultimate good. And we understand that in the midst of maybe some pain that we're experiencing today or this week or this, this year, that we can have hope for what is to come. That we know that the world that we will experience one day with you is a perfect world. Absence of pain and sin. But also, Father, we thank you that you called us to be a part of this, to be a part of you, to be a part of your glory. Father, I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for this passage in Romans that we got to look at this morning. And Father, I pray that you would continue to stir in our hearts this confidence and this assurance that we can find in you. And we don't have to wonder about what is to come. That we can just rest and rejoice. That we can worship you for who you are. The good God that loves us. And so Father, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to worship you for what you've done. Because you are a good God that loves us and cares for us. And we're thankful for that, Father. So God, we love you. We serve you. Just thank you for this, this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.